told you this morning, this evening, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6. Message this evening entitled, You Are What You Eat. You are what you eat. When you find your place in Matthew chapter 5, will you stand with me out of respect for the reading of the Word of God? Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6. Let's say it in unison. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for allowing us to have your word, allowing us to have your revelation that you've given to us, Lord, that, you, that we can know you, Lord, that we can, uh, Lord, understand more about you, Lord, that we can know how we are supposed to live and how we should live in this world, Lord, to glorify you and to bring praise to your name. And Lord, I pray as we come to your word, I pray that you will move. I pray that you will work. I pray that you will speak. Lord, I pray that you will be heard. I pray that you will be lifted up. Lord, you will increase and we will decrease. Lord, open our eyes that we might hold, maybe hold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. I think everyone here probably is familiar with that saying, right? You are what you eat. And uh, I, really, I was actually driving along just in the car thinking about my message when I thought about this title. I'm like, hun, it sounds weird, but just text me this, you are what you eat. I need to remember it for later. And she's like, why? I'm like, because I'm pretty sure it's the title of my message. But I, I, I was thinking about it more and, and, and just kind of in jest, but uh, if, if Baptists, people in Baptist churches were really what they ate, you think about this, the, church, the, the kids in the church nursery would be goldfish, the kids in junior church would simply be sugar. The teens in the youth group would be Little Caesar's Pizza. And the rest of the church would be fried chicken. Amen? But there really is truth to the saying that you are what you eat. If you eat junk, um, you're, you're literally, sooner or later, made of simply the junk that you ate. If you ate healthy... Well, sooner or later, your body is then made of the healthy things that you eat. You are what you eat. And really, when you, think, uh, when you think about that, and you think about when you've had good meals, when you've had bad meals, think about even how you felt afterwards. And really, when it comes to Scripture, we are what we eat. And number one, depending on what we eat, there's a possible feeling that you have. How many of you ever been to Golden Corral? How many of you ever ate too much at Golden Corral? You don't feel good afterwards, right? You don't feel good afterwards. There's a a feeling that you get after you eat. Now, when we look at this in a spiritual light, we see Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6 is, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Look at that first part of the verse. It says, Blessed are they which do. Now, the word blessed there, I think a lot of people know what it means, but it simply means happy, happy. So happy are they which do. There is a possible feeling here to be happy. How many of you want to be happy? Anyone? I do. Two hands. Okay, two hands up. All right. Now, that's a common pursuit of a lot of people. In fact, so much so that it's in our 
founding documents. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, which among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A lot of people, they want to be happy. But true happiness is conditional. True happiness is conditional. Being a Christian doesn't automatically mean that you are happy. It depends on what you eat. You are what you eat. Can I tell you one one thing that is a kryptonite for me? Chocolate-covered pretzels. I love chocolate-covered pretzels. And a couple years ago, and this might be why they didn't bring it last year or the, it's actually three years ago now. Maybe maybe why they haven't brought them to me since then, but three years ago, my grandmother-in-law, Kayla's grandmother, brought me an entire tin of chocolate-covered pretzels. I finished them in two days. Don't hold those up to me. I'll see you after service. All right. (laughs) I finished those in two days. Now, after the first couple, I felt great. After the entire 10, I did not feel great at all. It depends on what you eat. Listen, for a Christian, it depends on what you do. Again, Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are they which do. We find out there's reasons for Christians not to be happy. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 11 says, for, Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. I don't know any Christian who under chastisement feels happy. That's not a state, that's not a feeling that Christians who are not living in the will of God have. They're not happy. If you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing... Listen, as a Christian, you're not going to be happy. The Bible, again, the Bible is God's revelation to us. It's God revealing himself, revealing what we should do, how we can be more like him. And in the scripture, imagine this, he actually gives us an outline of how we can be happy. Matthew chapter 5. We have what? The Beatitudes. Why are they called the Beatitudes? Well, if you be this you will have a happy attitude. The be attitudes. Happy, uh, Matthew chapter five, beginning in verse number three, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Happy, blessed, number four, or verse number four, happy are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. But verse number five, happy are the meek. Verse number six, happy are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Verse number seven, happy are the merciful. Verse number eight, happy are the pure in heart. Verse number nine, happy are the peacemakers. Verse number 10, happy are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. Verse number 11, happy are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. You get the idea? You see, If we, and we should, follow after these things, seek to have these traits, these attitudes in our, these, these traits in our life, which we, every single one of them, we should follow after. They're not, they're not a list of like, oh, I'll pick this one, I'll pick this one, I'll pick this one. No, we should try to be each and every one of those. And if we follow after these, God says, guess what? You'll be happy. You'll be happy. 
Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 says, Blessed, happy is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. In other words, if you feast on the right things, if your delight is in the word of God, guess what? You can be happy. And it doesn't matter what's going around you. This is how, when the Bible says, you know, give thanks for everything, give thanks in everything, it says both of those, right? This is how. When our focus, when we're feasting on godly things, listen, it's achievable. Church, it's conditional, but it's achievable. Yeah, I think about all the times, and, and I have three kids. You all know them. They're fantastic kids. But there's a lot of times I tell Charlie, Kobe, or even now Chloe to do things, listen, that they can't do on their own. I don't think I've used really Chloe as an example too much, so I'll use her. She's standing now. As a six-month-old, this is not right. We should have at least two or three months more of no mobility, okay? I'm just saying. But this is, like, she's, she's already, she, she's starting. She's rolling, like, she doesn't crawl, she doesn't walk yet, but she rolls. We leave her here, we come back, and she's over there, and she's pulling on cords, and like, no, <laughs> don't do that. But she'll be standing, my wife will have her stand, and I'll tell her, come here. Can I tell you something? She can't do it on her own yet. She can't. But if I help her, and that's what I do, I go and I, I hold her hands and I just start pulling and I hold her up. And through that, guess what? She comes to me. And that's the way it is with our relationship with God. Listen, on our own, we are wicked. On our own, we are, let's be honest, we're just, we're just dumb. On our own, we're dumb. But with God, God tells us to do something. He also gives us the strength and the grace and the mercy to do it. With him, through him, it's achievable. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We can be happy. Why? The, 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 the context of this passage right here, he's saying, listen, I can be poor, I can be rich, I can be content. I can do it through Christ which strengtheneth me. And we can be happy when we rely on his power. We simply have to, as 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, walk by faith and not by sight. I remember hearing that so many times growing up and hearing, oh, you just need to walk by faith, 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 not by sight. And, and hearing it, and in my mind, because maybe I was just too prideful, I was thinking, what in the world does that mean? What does that mean? Walk by faith and not by sight? Just close my eyes and start walking around? Usually just run into things. I literally watch my kids. My kids will just put a blanket over their head, put a bucket over their head, and they'll just, they'll just whoosh, right into the wall. <laughs> it's fantastic. I don't know why I haven't videoed it yet, but I will at some point. But I always wonder, like, what does that mean? To walk by faith and not by sight. Can I, can I tell you? In other words, walk by what the word of God says to do. Not what you want to do. Not what the situation seems to 
call for even, not by your wisdom, but by God's wisdom. That means when a decision comes up, maybe, maybe we should pause and pray about it before we make a decision. I think we'd make a lot better decisions a lot of times, wouldn't we? It means planning your day and thinking about how am I going to serve God today? It means when you know that there are situations that normally come up, praying and asking God, God, how should I handle this situation? What is the, in looking and seeing, what does the Bible say about handling this situation? It's about following God, following his word, doing what his word says rather than what we want. Church, we can be happy. We can be happy. We don't have to be angry. We don't have to, we, we, we don't have to sit in the pew every single Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night while we're singing and be like, I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. I'm so glad that Jesus lifted me. And you just look down. We can be happy. We can be happy. We can sing with a smile. It's possible. But it depends on number two, our possible fixations. What are you fixated on? Again, let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse number 6. Blessed are they which do, what? Hunger and thirst. Is that it? No. After righteousness. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They're going after it. They're, 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 they're fixated on it. They, 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 that's theirs. Listen, we talked about Golden Corral already. Let's talk about it now. When I go to Golden Corral... Can I tell you what I'm fixated on? I'm a Baptist, so you know, number one, the fried chicken. I go get the fried chicken. Every plate that I get has fried chicken on it, okay? I also love roast, roast beef. I'm fixated on I'm going to, if it's there, I'm getting it. And steak. And then mac and cheese. I love mac and cheese. We had mac and cheese for lunch today, okay? I'm, fix, I'm getting those things. No one's going to stop me. Okay, and if I have to wait there for them to bring more, I'm going to wait there for them to bring more. Okay, I'm going, I'm fixated on it. Okay, can we, can we be real? We know that, we're Baptist. Okay, now we shouldn't probably eat as much as we do when we go there. Amen, I'm speaking to myself. A little conviction. Well, my question is, what are you fixated on? My wife would probably think better think it better for me to be fixated a little bit more on salad. Be a little bit. Thank you. Thank you, Maverick. I'll remember that. But listen, as far as our spiritual life, listen, there's a worldly way. There's, there's a temptation to be fixated on worldly things. Sometimes... Again, we eat things that we shouldn't. We're fixated on things that we shouldn't be. Psalm chapter 2, verse number 1, it says, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? I've shared this in other um, 
mediums and other times teaching in, in different places in this church, but that word imagine there is actually the exact same word that we see in Psalm chapter 1, verse number 2, which says, but in his law doth he meditate day and night. So go back to verse, verse number 1 of chapter 2. It says, and people meditate on, spend their time thinking, spend their time fixated on vain things. What does vain mean? Vain. Empty, right? Meaningless. Now, is it meaningless? Let me ask you, is it, does that mean meaningless as far as this world? No, meaningless as far as eternity. There are some things that seem extremely important in this world, but when it comes to eternity, there's no eternal value. And church, as Christians, our focus cannot be on those things. Our focus cannot be on those things. We're now, you know, this, today we, we, we announced both services, Wednesday evening prayer meeting. I think that's an important thing to be fixated on. If Christ is your priority, you should as much as possible make it a priority to be there. Now, is everyone going to be able to make it? No. But you should try to make it a priority to meet with the people of God, to be under the preaching of God, to sing the praises of God. Listen, we see Christians so many times hungering for many things. We see, we see Christians hungering for power. We see Christians hungering for authority and success, for comfort, for happiness. But how many Christians do we see, really see hungering, after, hungering and thirsting after righteousness? What is righteousness? You think about that. Do you really know what righteousness is? You think about God. God is holy. God is separated from all that is evil. Okay? God cannot allow evil to remain in his presence. He's holy. Then God is also righteous. What does that mean? If, if, if his holiness is separated all that, from all that is evil, what does it mean that he's, he is righteous? It's not just that he doesn't do what he shouldn't. Listen, he does that what he should. So when here in the Bible, God is saying, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, hungering and thirsting after, about doing what we should be doing. Church, is that convicting? We should be hungering and thirsting about doing what we should be doing. Listen, when there's a person in need that needs help and we know, listen, even though it might be hard that we could help them, if we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness, what should we do? We should help them. Listen, it should not be that when we hear of someone in need, we hear of someone who has a, has, has a huge need, that we just pray for them and say, oh, hope everything's okay. But I'm pretty sure the Bible says, yeah, how does that actually help them? Like, oh, go, hey, go, go be filled, be filled, bye. No. Listen, sometimes God gives you things gives you talents 
gives you material things so that when the time comes, you can help other people. And I don't know about you, but the times in my life where I've tried to hang on to my things, where I've been Scrooge, those are not been ha- have not been happy times. But the times in my life where I am giving, where I give of myself, where even if God puts it on my heart, I give of my things, even though I have less things, guess what? I'm happy. It brings joy to help other people. Imagine that. What God says is true. But church, we need to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We need to hunger and thirst after the things of God. You think about this. You think about when you are newly converted. You think about a new convert. And you watch them and they're so excited. And they're just hungry and they're thirsty. And they're here every service. And they just want everything. But what happens? They're going on for God. And all of a sudden they see, ooh. They get distracted by the world for a second. But they, they get their focus back, and then what happens? They, they get distracted again, and the distractions come, and the distractions come. And sooner or later, instead of, again, yielding themselves as instruments of righteousness, they've now turned, and they're yielding themselves as instruments of unrighteousness. Romans chapter 6, verse 13 says, Neither yield your members as instruments or weapons of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. As those that are alive from the dead and as your members, as instruments of, un, of, of righteousness unto God. I, I had a person recently ask me, like, hey, listen, there was a time in my life I was going through a really, really, really hard time. And during that hard time, I didn't read my Bible. Does God just overlook that? Like, can you give me a pass? No. No. I said, God never gives a pass. I told this person, if you really wanted to read your Bible, and I know what this person was going, I know what this person was talking about, okay? I told him, if you really wanted to read your Bible, even if you didn't have the energy, you could have asked someone else to read it to you. But they didn't. Listen, when we sin, we might think it's small. We might think it, eh, that's, that's not a big deal. God doesn't. Again, you look at the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. All they did was eat of something they were told not to eat. My kids have done that many times. I have not kicked them out of my house. They might eat, my, eat their way, eat me out of a house and home, but they have, I have not kicked them out of my house. When my kids eat something they're not supposed to, whether it be edible or not, to be honest, like... I don't consider that a big deal. But again, in the Garden of Eden, that is the sin that condemned humanity. That's the sin that separated humanity from God. God does not just let any sin go. God doesn't let any sin go. He cares very deeply about sin. He hates it. He hates it. More than any of us, more than any of us, all of us combined, he hates sin. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that. We cannot follow after worldly things. We must follow after and be fixated 
ungodly things. There is a worldly way, but there's also a worshipful way. You look at this hunger that's mentioned in this, in this verse, those who hunger and, do hunger and thirst after righteousness. The, the idea behind the word, it's not just hunger that can be satisfied with a snack. It's not just a little bit. Listen, it's not just the amount that you'll get when you come to church and listen to preaching. You need more. You need more. It's, it's, it's like, you know, when it gets to like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and sometimes I'm, I look at my wife I'm like, I'm hungry. And she's like, go get yourself a snack. I'm like, no. This is, this is not, this is not a, a thing that's going to be a snack. I, I, I'm hungry. Like sometimes, like, you haven't eaten until after Wednesday night church hungry, right? You're hungry. You need a full meal. That's the hunger. It's not something you just snack on. But isn't that what we do? We just, we just snack on it. Listen, Psalm 1, verse number 2, we'll go there. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Day and night. I remember growing up and just watching the people around us, and I remember... I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania, at Walnut Creek Baptist Church. I went off to Bible college, was in Knoxville for seven years total, four years of college, three years after helping in a church. And I remember coming back. And there are a lot of new people, but there are some people who were the same. They'd been there since even before I was there. And I remember being in a position of leadership at one point and just thinking about these people, praying for them and thinking, they are exactly the same. They, they, they do the exact same thing. They talk about the exact same things. They haven't changed, and they haven't grown in over 20 years. And I would like to say that that's, that can't be anyone in our church, but... My question is, if you look back over the time that you've been in church, how have you grown? Because the writer of Hebrews had this problem with who he was writing to. It says, Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 12, For when for time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern between both good and evil. Listen, it takes work. You are what you eat. Listen, too many Christians today are just drinking milk. We need more Christians chewing the meat. He's like, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm just, I'm just a, you know, I'll just use this just for example. I'm a carpenter. I'm not really a, I'm not a preacher. I'm just a carpenter. So is Jesus. Jesus, isn't he our example? 
Jesus is our example. You know, I can, I can understand that if Jesus came and, 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 and was born into a, a, a religious family that, you know, that his parents were part of, you know, this, this religious elite, and then he became, you know, part of the religious elite, and he became a, a full-time rabbi and was part of the Sanhedrin, I can see you saying, well, I'm just a carpenter, or I'm just this, I'm just that. But they believe that Jesus was born into the a house of a carpenter and became a carpenter for a reason to tell us, listen, it doesn't matter what you do. Every one of us should be well-versed in Scripture. And so my challenge is you think about, if I asked you right now to stand up and share the gospel, just that, just that what's the gospel? Could you do it? Okay. If you struggle with that, just like, that's the milk of the word. It's extremely important. Listen, I might be able to eat a lot more than milk and not just have to drink milk, but I still drink milk. I like milk, but I can also eat steak. Just because you move on from the milk and you can eat steak now doesn't mean you don't also drink milk. But too many people, they're just on the milk. And they've stayed on the milk. And they haven't moved past the milk. You have to work for it. You have to work on it. Think about how does this hunger and thirst after righteousness express itself? A man expresses itself by, by someone having a righteous nature. By a man wanting to be sanctified to be more holy. By a man longing, uh, someone longing to continue in God's righteousness. But also, someone who's hungering and thirsting after righteousness is going to want to see righteousness promoted in the world. There are, there are two possible fixations. There's a worldly fixation and a godly fixation. Which one do you have? The only one in which you can actually truly be happy long term. Listen, again, the first even like 20 chocolate covered pretzels, I was happy. Okay? But eventually, I was not happy. In fact, I didn't want those again for a little while. Okay? And if you're fixed on the world, you might be happy now. But that's not going to last for eternity. And you better pray that God does not allow it to last until your death. There's a possible feeling. Listen, we can be happy. It's possible fixations. We need to be fixated on righteousness, on God, on, on godly things. When we do that, we see number three, our providential fullness. We can be, listen church, we can be full. We can be full. Matthew chapter five, verse number six. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This, I don't think this means that much to us anymore these days because we experience, as far as eating, fullness a lot. We experience being full probably most of the time. In fact, I think for a lot of Americans, it's when they're not full, they just eat. When they're not full, they just eat. And they're in a constant state of full. 
But you think about the people that God is speaking to. They didn't have that. They were hungry a lot. And when they ate, a lot of times they, never, they, they, they were never full. They just had enough sometimes. And, and a lot of people didn't even have that. So when Christ is saying, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for you shall be full. That was music to their ears. Full. I'll be full. Listen, we can be full, but not when following after the world. You have the things of the world. Listen, Proverbs 27, 20, hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of man are never satisfied. Ecclesiastes 1.14, I've seen all the works that are done under the sun and all, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. Chapter 12, verse number eight, the same book, vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. One of the things that I'm really trying to stop drinking, I love it, but it doesn't really love me, and I'm really trying to actually lose weight, is, is, is pop, soda. It's good. Dr. Pepper being the chief, okay? You can have your difference of opinion, but you could also be wrong, okay? But soda, pop, is empty calories. It's empty. You can drink it, you can drink it, you can drink it, you can drink it, and you're getting a lot of calories and a lot of cal- but you're never full. Listen, when you drink of the world, when you hunger and thirst after the world, there might be a season of happiness, but you're never full. You always just need more. You always just need more. You always just need more. You're never satisfied. You just need more and more and more and more and more. Reminds me of the story of uh, Ted Bundy, who's an evil, evil man. But he said that everything that he, that he did started with just, and for the sake of that God, just, just a look. And then he did another look. Another, and then at some point he just wasn't satisfied, so he just had to escalate and escalate and escalate and escalate and escalate. Because his lust was never satisfied. He always just needed more. And that's where the world leaves you, just needing more. But we can be full when we follow after Christ. We can be full when we follow after Christ. I love Psalm 23, verse number 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. Last four words of this verse. My cup runneth over. Listen. It's not, when we fall after righteousness, it's not just that we become full. We start running over to where then we help fill other people. When I was in Bible college, we were always, in, in, in having preaching classes, we were always told, listen, when you preach, you have to preach from the overflow and what that is, is, is basically this. When you're so, you, when you preach, you better, better be so excited about it that you just can't hold it in. You just have to let it go. And it just flow, it just explodes out of you. 
You're preaching from the old Christians. That, that shouldn't just be a preacher. When's the last time you were so excited about something God showed you in your devotions that you had to just go in? I had to pick up the phone and call pastor. I had to pick up the phone and call my parents. I had to pick up the phone and just call people and let them know that this is what God has showed me from his word. When's the last time that happened to you? You just couldn't, you couldn't wait to tell people about what God did. You couldn't wait to tell people about what God showed you. When's the last time that happened? That should happen to you. Why isn't it? Church, we can be full. Lord God, Jesus told the woman at the well that she can drink of the water to where she'll never thirst again. Never thirst again. In our life here, we don't have to be just looking for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next. No, we can be full. We can be content. Church, we can be happy. But we have to follow Christ. We have to be fixated on him. And listen, I'm talking now. I'm not saying you have your best life now. Uh, people who say that, they wrong, okay? No, my best life is going to be with God, okay, later on. But you can be happy you can be happy, and not a worldly happy, a godly happy. Amen. And you could be happy now. But listen, listen, there's going to come a day when our fullness is going to be permanent. It's going to be permanent. We will only be happy. Isaiah chapter 35, verse number 10, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall what? Flee away. Permanent joy. Permanent happiness. Permanent Fullness. Church, there's coming a day when that's going to happen. <laughs> that's going to happen. God has said it in his word, and when God said it in his word, that is final because God does not lie. And God does not fail. <laughs> you say, I, mean, I struggle with being happy right now. Well, follow after God. But just know that if you truly know Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your payment for your sins, as your commander, as your conqueror, if you truly know him, listen, there will come a day when you will permanently, permanently be full.